You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. Picking up where we left off in episode 11, my discussion with Thomas Schoen of the Caribou Mountain Bike Consortium, we travel just south of the US-Canada border from British Columbia to Washington state. Mountain biking in Washington has exploded and it's gone from rogues in the forest to land managers really embracing recreation. Much of this is due to the hard work of the Evergreen Mountain Bike Alliance. This episode will learn about the Washington State Advocacy Group, both from their executive director and from one of their chapters. Next episode will be the finale of this three-part series on umbrellas and consortiums, and you'll hear my interview with David Waynes, the new executive director of IMBA in the United States. I'd like to hear from any trail associations who are or were an IMBA chapter, as well as groups who have thought about becoming an IMBA chapter. Moving forward, I'd like to discuss the benefits and drawbacks of being an IMBA chapter and answer the question of whether the IMBA chapter system has run its course and if it's no longer useful for local trail associations. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I'm your host, Brent Hillier, and this is episode 13 of Frontlines. Before we get into this episode's main topic, I've got a voicemail from Jay Darby, president of the Mountain Bikers of the Central Okanagan, and of course, friend of the podcast. Hey Brent, Jay from MTB Go calling in. We're well into the start of spring here in the Okanagan. Trails are starting to open up in most of the local networks, which is awesome. Unfortunately, we're also starting to see some trail bend impacts from overzealous riders not giving trails time to dry up and harden. I'm wondering what successes and failures other clubs out there have had in regards to educating the public on responsible spring trail use. Here in Kelowna, the city installed a great trail condition sign at the entrance to Knox Mountain Park, and this seems to have helped a bit in that network. Some local shops also post trail conditions in-store to let riders know what networks are open and rideable. This seems to have helped keep a few riders informed as well. However, these measures don't seem to be getting the message across to everyone. They also rely on the assumption that the public understands when they can and why they shouldn't ride wet trails. I'm interested to hear what other clubs' experiences have been. Cheers, man. Thanks, Jay. Definitely a timely question as we enter into spring. Both Jay and myself would like to hear from clubs all over about how we, as advocates and builders, can deal with eager riders getting out on the trails too early in the spring or just after it's rained. If you're a rider, do you avoid certain trails when it's wet or do you choose to do something else? I know many, and out east especially, will go for gravel rides and maybe get out on a cyclocross bike until the single track has dried out. Let me know your thoughts, and I'll put together an episode. Now, without delay, on to the main topic. My first guest is Eric Albers. He's the president of the Cold Creek Mountain Bikers, a chapter of Evergreen. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. How did Cold Creek become an Evergreen chapter? Well, we were looking for a solution to some of our problems, and as we researched you know, the best way to go about uh, resolving some issues, it really turned out that Evergreen was the perfect solution for us, and it, over time, that has proven to be so much more than we knew it was going to be when we originally uh, made that decision. What were some of the issues that you were having that Evergreen was able to help with? A couple of challenges we faced were that we had just built this new trail called Thrillium, which we'd kind of done all out of our back pocket. And it was, you know, the DNR really 
helped us come and build this trail and gave us permission to do it. And we got it all done. And then we realized, oh, we have a little problem, but this is going to take a little money to maintain. And so we had to figure out how to do that. At the same time, we had a bridge that went out and this bridge was vital to the Cold Creek Trail. And the DNR said, hey, we don't have any money. There's nothing we can do about it, which kind of led us to the conclusion, well, if they can't do anything about it, we should want to do something about it. How do we solve this problem? And so as we went to solve that problem, we realized that we needed to have some events in order to raise some money. That's about the best way we could. We were tired of asking people for money as we had to build Thrillium. And so now we're like, well, we need to go and earn some of this money. And in the process of trying to figure that out, we realized, oh, we need a 5013C, we need accounting measures, we need insurance. It's pretty complicated. And so we started to look around. We looked at IMBA and their chapter club, and we looked at Evergreen. And being that we are in Washington State, Evergreen made more sense for us, given where we are at. And when did all this happen? So 2013 is when we became an official chapter member. And we were looking at it a little bit before that, but we we were as we're trying to figure out how to raise the money to, to save the bridge, uh, you know, time was of the essence because we're not riding our favorite trail and it's cut off and, you know, people are upset. So we started looking at Evergreen and Glenn Glover was then uh, the president of Evergreen. And as we talked to him, we talked about the things they were doing and that we were wanting to do many of the same things. And it just made sense that Evergreen could grow in its mission to support all of Washington and really represent the larger state if they expanded their program to other areas. And so what Evergreen did is by creating the chapter program, gave us the organizational structure to generate revenue, to maintain a functioning organization that would allow us to maintain our trails and to get donations and put on events all in a safe manner where everybody's insured and really helps us support the trails in a way that we were really doing before, but just not as organized or on a scale that we are now able to do with Evergreen's help. So in, in the context of, of the bridge that went out, how were they able to help with that? Well, in the bridge going out, we ultimately, the DNR uh, came together with a grant and put that back together. But we were in the process, process of raising money to pay for that bridge where we had, you know, kind of an agreement with the DNR that, you know, if we got the money, then we could put, you know, we could pay for the bridge. Of course, it was a lot of money. We were working our way th- there. Uh, we had gotten about a quarter of the way there before they came up with the grant and got that resolved, which is now going to allow us to take that money that we had been saving for that bridge and repurpose that towards the new trails that we have coming. So it's going to really allow us to jump forward in our next process by taking uh, you know, that revenue and putting it right into the trail so we can build it more quickly, we can get more tools on site. And, and generate the trails much more quickly than we did when we built Thrillium. So it, it sounds like Evergreen's been a huge support for you. And, and what, is, what is the exchange? Like what, um, what is the relationship with Evergreen? How does, does a trail association become a chapter? What's involved with that? Becoming a chapter isn't really all that difficult of a process. It's really just kind of looking at, you know, what are the goals and uh, what can Evergreen uh, give and at the same time, what can we give to Evergreen? You know, and that's one of the things we want to do as a chapter as well is uh, go and participate in lobby days and the things that show uh, this state commitment to mountain biking, which we want to be a part of. But really, what Evergreen provides is kind of the structural uh, basis, you know, all the legal paperwork, uh, the accounting, and all the things that really trail builders and chapters want to go dig trail. They want to maintain trail ride trail, 
have events, get people together and, you know, ride bikes. And by moving towards Evergreen, we get to, we have to do less of the, the administrative work and get to do more of the fun stuff associated with a mountain bike organization. Awesome. And what does Evergreen ask of you as a chapter? Our responsibility is Evergreen. We do, I also sit on the Evergreen board. And so as chapter president, I also uh, serve on the board of directors for Evergreen. So we have some commitments there to some meeting time and such. They do a better job of generating members for us in, in a sense than we really do. So uh, they do help us with our membership. You know, we push out their Facebook posts. It drives people to, you know, check them out and check us out and, and does help with our engagement uh, with, with our writers. Wow. So your, so your engagement is, uh, is increased by being associated with Evergreen. Absolutely. Hmm. And we do make an effort to reshare the, the post that Evergreen puts out. Um, I really like the Evergreen puts out this statewide synopsis for what's going on in the state and kind of can show us, Hey, Evergreen is doing this there and they're doing this here. Well, it also leads other people to say, Oh, well, if they're doing that, I wonder what that would look like if we did that here. And so I think you see a synergy of what's happening within the chapters. I mean, if you look at the map and if you get into that legislative day material, you'll see that there's a great deal of activity in the state of Washington concerning mountain biking. And it's really growing in all corners of the state, which is great and really makes me want to go ride all these other places. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that, you know, the CDC has done some uh, to drive people to different areas that they hadn't normally been to and has uh, been a big support too, which was also in partnership with Evergreen until just recently. Awesome. So what's next for Cold Creek? What's happening this year? Well, on tap, we have a couple things to figure out. One, we're planning to relaunch our Cold Creek experience, which is a two-day ride festival of the cold, of the Yakult Burn, really. It's a little bit it's bigger than Cold Creek. We take you up some trails that people don't always ride. And that will be August 11th and 12th, I believe. We also are going to have a couple shuttle days in June, May or June, depending on our snow level. As you can imagine, like everywhere else, we have some snow uh, still sticking around. So those will be announced on our Facebook page. And then we are hoping to begin digging this summer on our new 17-mile trail project, which the Cold, Cold Creek Mountain Bikers have been awarded two of the segments to build. Uh, so there's eight new segments of trail coming for a total of 17 miles, of which we are responsible for building and implementing two of them that will be all multi-user, uh, but definitely built with the rider in mind, open apex corners and all things that lead to a great flowy mountain bike trail. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. All right, no, glad to do it. Eric gave us some great insight as to what a statewide umbrella can do for a local grassroots organization and how much of an asset Evergreen has been to them. My second guest, Yvonne Krauss, is the executive director of the Evergreen Mountain Bike Alliance. Hi, Yvonne. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brent. So briefly, could you explain what the Evergreen Mountain Bike Alliance is? We are a trail building organization uh, exclusively focusing on mountain bike trails and we have our organization organized in four different components. So there's a now fairly significant trail building team. Um, we offer education classes for any levels, any ages, any styles throughout the year with uh, a significant amount of our work happening in the summer with dirt camps. Um, where we have a lot of coaches that come on board, instructors that come on board for clinics. 
Um, we have a robust volunteer program. Um, last year, we delivered 17,000 hours of volunteer work across the state. So that's a significant component of Evergreen. And then we have an advocacy arm, and that's really what I work in the most um, to develop new projects, to work with land managers on mountain bike needs, mountain bike designs, um, recreational planning um, throughout Washington state. And on February 22nd this year, Evergreen took part in Lobby Day, which was in the state capital of Olympia. And what is Lobby Day? Yeah, that's right. We uh, organize our own Lobby Day and we do that uh, in every budget year. So every two years we have our own mountain bike specific Lobby Day. Um, We inform our community about what's happening at the state level in recreation planning. What are the initial asks that we'd like to see in recreation funding? So we work with other conservation organizations that work in public lands planning, in conservation efforts. And we work with recreation organizations through a greater umbrella called um, the Outdoor Alliance and Big Tent, which is a Washington state organization that brings all of the recreation groups together. We review the budget, we review policies, and then we look at what do we as a recreation community want to accomplish. From that, then Evergreen highlights the priority issues in policy and also the priority asks in terms of the recreation budget and funding for the next two years. And we create a full lobby day around that. So it's our legislative rally day. This year, uh, we had 65 people come down to Olympia to meet with their elected officials, their representatives, really from across the state. So we tried to get a really good representation of riders from all sorts of different jurisdictions to come. And we set up the meetings for them. We bring them to their elected officials. They are provided with an overview of what our ask is as a recreation community and as mountain bikers specifically. And then we simply have a conversation with where are we landing in the budget? Where are you, my representative, in this ask? Can you support additional recreation funding? And can you specifically report uh, support the mountain bike trails and projects that we're looking to get done in the next few years. So Evergreen has seven chapters, and and this is something that uh, Evergreen is going to organize for each individual chapter. So you've got people from each chapter coming to this lobby day. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So it's a statewide lobby day. Uh, All of the chapters do their own outreach to make sure that they're represented. We actually create a map of the state. Our communications manager does that every time. And we show as soon as somebody signs up and RSVPs for lobby day, we show that their district is represented. And so over the weeks leading up to the lobby day, that map fills in and people can actually look at, oh, hey, I ride here and I'm not represented yet either a chapter member or just me as an interested individual need to go to Olympia to make sure that my district is part of this conversation. So we take a few weeks to fill in that map. We give progress reports. We have a live map on our website. We reach out to chapters if there's no representation yet in the last couple of weeks leading up to the lobby day event. And then we meet, like I said, with all of the representatives across the state. And We do a pretty good job of getting representations. There's always areas of the state that are uh, harder to connect with or where there just aren't as many riders based on topography, geography. But we do a really good job of bringing riders in from all all four corners of the state. That's awesome. So what are some of the asks that Evergreen has at Lobby Day? 
Well, like I said, we hone in on two specific key uh, requests. One is what are the recreation funding proposals that the individual land managers are asking for? So I do a lot of outreach and I meet with land managers. What are your budget priorities? How can we help you get those budget priorities passed? What are the messages that you would like us as mountain bikers to convey when we meet with their elected officials? And how can we support you to get your full ask funded? Right. So I gather a lot of information from these different organizations, uh, the, the state parks, for example, the Department of Natural Resources. Uh, we see what their budget asks are and then relay that message. Uh, there's hardly any examples where I would see any conflicts with their ask. So it's been fairly straightforward to look at their ask and then make sure we bring that specific ask to the elected officials. And then we look at policy. So what kind of policies are state representatives working on? Are there policies that could potentially harm access to public lands? And if so, inform that elected official that, hey, by supporting this policy, we might actually not get access to a trail system that we have in mind. And what is the greater impact of this policy on public land use? That includes policies on funding, access, who gets to go where, uh, land use uh, changes that are being proposed, regional trail planning efforts. Uh, so it really just kind of runs the gamut on um, land use proposals that come up and that we're watching throughout the year that we either have concerns about or that we really want to support. Mountain biking in the state of Washington is, has absolutely exploded over the last little while. And, and is that to the credit of Evergreen and, and things like this lobby day? I think so. I, um, you know, Evergreen has been working really hard for decades to get into a level of planning with other recreation and conservation organizations where we're now seen as a major player around the table and people ask us to be in Olympia to help with public land preservation efforts, for example. Controversial one is wilderness protection. How do we feel about new wilderness proposals when bikes are not allowed into wilderness? Where do we land on specific wilderness proposals? And how would we work with the conservation organizations and the elected officials to either promote or oppose specific proposals? And I think over time, We've grown, we've become more effective. Uh, a number of elected officials have seen the benefits of mountain biking in their communities and are asking us to be present. They're asking us for advice. And so that work has been going on for two decades now, but in the last decade and a half, we've seen um, a significant amount of momentum, so much so that you know, it now supports me full time as the executive director at Evergreen to work on just that. And then we have a committee on the board that specializes in advocacy and policy issues as well. They help me. So it's a significant piece of what Evergreen does now. Of course, that part of our in or that part of our budget needs to be supported with member contributions, right? And donations that pays for my time. And so that's the fact that A, people are supporting that. And B, I, I think it's been uh, a little bit of a surprise to our membership and and our supporters that it takes as much advocacy as it does to get to the level of mountain biking that we have now in Washington state, right? And to be a member and a part of that table conversation around 
how are we going to deal with wilderness proposals or other land use decisions and how does it affect mountain bikers in the long run so you know i've only been at evergreen now for a year and a half so much of the credit for this goes to the previous ed glenn glover i've just picked up where he left off it was something that he was very strong in and i am fortunate to be able to now continue his work yeah, I think just a couple rides that I've been on in Washington, you can really see how the the advocacy work that's been happening for the last decade, two decades, the benefits are are being reaped right now and and the rewards are really there and it's it's really exciting. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Yeah, and and f- so for groups, for local clubs, um, you know, Washington or or even beyond whether that's in the US or or in any country, how important is it for a local club to speak to their elected officials? Well, I think in order to get any kind of formalizing of the trail system and a vision for the future of what you want to see happen in your community, you have to get that excitement amongst your elected officials that that is where they want to invest their time and their efforts and where they want to ask for funds, right? So it's, you know, the first step is talking with the land managers and actually looking at vision for new trails, vision for expanding an existing trail system and uh, vision for for future trails. The second step is then moving that conversation to elected officials and figuring out what it would take to get it funded. So the more we connect in an official and formal way with our elected uh, officials, with our direct representatives, the more we can excite them to be part of this and to want to be part of it and to want to help us in lobbying for funds, the more effective our lobby day becomes. And we've seen that growth. We used to have, you know, maybe five years ago, six years ago, 10 or so people coming. Then the next two years, it was 30. And then this year, it was 65 people in Olympia. So people are seeing the impact. It's a great way to talk in a very positive way with your elected officials. So I think it's a very um, rewarding and uncomplicated way to, uh, to talk. Uh, even if that elected official may not have the same, you know, party affiliation or philosophy as you do, everybody loves recreation. And the conversations with our elected officials are fun, uh, rewarding, and they are, um, you know, not to belittle it, but they're easy. They are about how we can increase and strengthen recreation for youth, for the younger generation in their communities, and then how does that contribute to economic strength in the communities as well? Yeah, that that segues really well into my next question, which is, you know, coming out of uh, an interesting election year in in the U.S. and and you know, for for those of us living outside of the United States, we're all hyper aware of just what's going on politically in the U.S. But mm-hmm. you know, would you say that mountain biking is nonpartisan? Like, this is not something that Republican or Democrat. This is something that that everyone can get behind. Um, I'd like to say yes to that. Our riders are diverse, right? Our community is diverse and and everybody, no matter what affiliation, loves to ride their bike. Uh, We do have a broad mix of representatives, I would say. And so we cross bridges easily. It is bipartisan that way. When we start talking about specific land use policies, that's where the current administration may make that job a bit harder for us. You know, as we move forward and we see some of these public lands policies 
the transfer of federal lands to states, what does that mean? That's where we'll have to be active and that's where our work may be less bipartisan. Um, But again, it depends on which region you're in. And in the end, recreation and outdoor sports is loved by everyone. How we get there and how we approach that in each community is different. How we talk with elected officials in communities is different. Some communities care about conservation. Some communities care more about economic resilience. We do do both. And that's, again, why I think the the conversations are just easy, right? But we have to approach it with the lens of the district or the elected official uh, that we're working with and what is important to them, what is important to their constituents, and then how can we help? That's great. I mean, that's really uh, partnerships and, and, and relationship-based um, decision-making, which is fantastic. What's the process for a grassroots trail association in the state of Washington to become an evergreen chapter? That's a really good question. And we are revising our bylaws right now to uh, prepare for the next phase. Um, So to give you the overall context, we right now have seven chapters and they all started out as individual, either enthusiastic trail builders who wanted to get more organized or existing um, clubs who became formalized enough that they were at the point that either contracts or formal agreements with the Forest Service or state parks or the Department of Natural Resources or their local county became a reality. And in order to take on work or in order to do work, they needed insurance, they needed to be a more formal organization, and they then decided to join Evergreen. So it's been an evolution. Our bylaws right now require that every chapter president is also a member on the statewide Evergreen Board. Uh, Our bylaws also have a maximum number of members that can be on the board. And with our growth, we currently have three organizations or three groups that want to join this year, but we are then in violation of our bylaws because those three groups would also have to have presidents on the board and uh, our bylaws don't allow that right now. So we're currently restructuring how people join. We're wanting to make it easier and we need to change the bylaws on the board structure so that either we keep the president requirement on the board and we allow the board to be bigger or we change it so that chapters don't have to be part of the statewide board. The board structure stays the same and we engage our chapters in a different way. I'd say to get back to your question, It all starts with the relationship building, right? So we work with the individual groups who contact us who want to become a chapter to organize a group of enthusiastic individuals to begin to meet, to set up an agenda structure, to start raising funds and to get commitments from their members that they will pay the annual membership fee together. That sets up a little account for them. They raise funds and once they have that in place, we bring them on board Our contracts are currently being revised. Our key goal, I guess, is to keep it as simple as possible for our chapters and to have enough structure in place that they are able to work under the Evergreen guidelines. They are able to then um, participate in the Evergreen insurance package um, and they are able to then sign contracts with us as the umbrella organization. 
but we allow them to work really independently. So we feel like, just like you mentioned earlier, the relationship building is so very important and the issues are so very local that if you try to make it too big of a statewide umbrella, we're not gonna be as effective as the local enthusiastic riders can be. And finding that balance between uh, the independence of the chapter versus, well, you are now an evergreen chapter, so you've got to follow a set number of guidelines and you have to build trails to a certain minimum standard. Um, that's where we try to really um, find balance. And I think we've done a good job on that. I think the chapters are able to work independently. They're growing. Um, they are representing Evergreen extremely well. It's all passionate individuals who are making the work happen. But I don't get too involved in their local relationships unless they need me, right? Um, once we get to contract discussions, then I get engaged. Uh, but they're really doing a lot of the work themselves. They're all volunteers and they get a lot of work done. It sounds like a chapter gets a lot of benefits from from Evergreen. I mean, insurance is such a huge cost and 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 such a challenging thing to to get. You know, representation at the state level uh, is something that that Evergreen definitely is is providing. It sounds like, and and also just a, a good, uh, strong name that is Evergreen, and and kind of having that backing goes a long way from from a local level and and working with with local land managers. What does an Evergreen chapter give to to Evergreen or what kind of commitments does an Evergreen chapter need to give to, to you as the umbrella? We ask them to form a board, right? So they have to have their own financial structure in place. They have to have a president, a vice president. They have to have a treasurer and they have to commit to doing that on a volunteer basis. So that's really the structure that we want to have in place uh, for the governance piece of the chapter. But it's quite simple. It's just those we have to have those three positions and those people have to commit to doing the work. They also have to commit to attending a monthly chapter call where we bring all of the chapters together to just review what's happening in their region. What does uh, headquarters need to do to help you be successful? What are some challenges you're working on? Do we need to get together or do we have to have a meeting about trail design, opportunities, you name it? So those are our monthly uh, keep in touch requirements. Uh, the chapter calls are pretty productive. We also give them new policy and procedure updates during that. It's not much, but you know, where do you save your files? Who's the lead communicator here? Um, how are your finances? We give them their finances, but how are you looking, right? Mm -hmm. And um, then they really don't, they don't pay Evergreen anything. They are all dedicated volunteers, so we're happy to support them to just further the cause of mountain biking in the state. We don't feel like we need anything in return for that, particularly if they're all still a volunteer-based uh, staff. Uh, we just want to help them be successful. The trail building guidelines are important to us, so if they do have a project where they're able to build, they must follow our standards. They must make sure that their land manager's requirements are met. And we will monitor that with them. We also ask them to report volunteer work to us. So once they are a chapter, we utilize the strength of their chapter and all of the volunteer effort that they put in. And we report that as a comprehensive statewide impact of Evergreen's work. And 
really, that's about it. The president has to attend the board meeting, and um, that happens once a month as well. Uh, but but from a formal structure, we encourage the simplicity, and again, allowing that independence as much as we can. Yeah, just to highlight one of the the points that you said, I think a, a lot of listeners their ears probably perked up at the 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 point when you said that there's there's no cost two chapters. So right. uh, you're not taking a percentage of, of the chapter's memberships dues, correct? We are not. We thought about doing that. Um, and we've debated this a number, to- number of times. As we grow, we thought that over time, we would have to start doing that. We would have to start charging. And a certain number of their dues paid to their chapter would be paid to headquarters. In the end, what we realized is no matter how you look at those finances, the amount of dues coming into from chapters and taking those dues away versus allowing those dues to be within, you know, to remain within the communities, it probably has a greater impact to do that and to recognize that all of the chapter members are volunteers we're coming up on a couple of instances where contracts are being signed and we may have paid staff. I can get back to that later. But they're all volunteers. Whereas at headquarters, we by far have the most capacity to do fundraising. And I see it as our responsibility by myself, by my team and by the board to raise the funds that that can help chapters be effective in their own communities rather than thinking about it in a reverse way where the chapters raise the funds to help us be successful, right? Um, Empowering the chapters to do what they need to do and raise the funds is in the end more beneficial to mountain biking, I believe, uh, than it would be to set up the administrative structure to collect, you know, the five or $10 of their $35 membership dues to support our admin team. That's a conclusion we've only drawn recently. We had, up until the last few years, assumed that we would go to more of a chapter payment model. But then when we looked at the actual economic impact, the financial impact uh, of what it would mean for chapters versus what we could deliver in return, the board just recently came to the decision that it just doesn't seem worth doing or putting effort to any effort towards. Um, so let's, let's hope we're right, and let's hope that we can continue to service and do our best to raise funds at a statewide level and then distribute uh, the, uh, the administrative help that we do give the chapters in the form of insurance and uh, doing their finance statements, uh, managing their bank accounts, uh, and, uh, and raising enough funds to be able to continue to do that. Does Evergreen have a membership base as well? Is that part of the, the funding model for Evergreen? Absolutely, yeah. We currently have 3,300 members. It's grown a lot over the last few years. We also see a lot of members, you know, their memberships will lapse or they believe they are active and they're actually no longer because we do require you to update that membership every year. It's an annual membership fee of $35. That pays for the team, that pays for advocacy, that makes sure that your trails are well-maintained and it allows us to show that membership number whenever we do have a lobby day or whenever I meet with land managers about the need and the demand. So I think the membership model is incredibly important for us. It's incredibly important that uh, riders statewide continue to respect that and that it is needed every year to keep the team going. 
I think a lot of clubs and organizations outside of Washington are, are probably thinking, you know, how, how do we get something like this in, in our state where we're approaching a big change with the IMBA chapter system and, and an increase in, in the cost to being an IMBA chapter. And, and so, you know, from what I've found, there's, there's only one chapter that I've found, uh, one IMBA chapter that I've found in Washington state. And, and is that because does like IMBA or does, does Evergreen fill the role of, of IMBA in the state of Washington? Yes, we don't fill the entire role. We don't do national, nationwide, you know, lobbying at the federal level. Our lens is the state, and I think that's what makes us effective. We definitely fill that role in the state, I would say, of what IMBA does for states and clubs that don't have that statewide alliance. We are their uh, lobbyists. We are their advocate. We are the trail building team when they need us. I would say absolutely we fill that role, and that's why uh, there hasn't been uh, any more increase in IMBA chapters in Washington state. Um, but we certainly can't fill the role of national um, and federal lobbying. I work closely with IMBA on that. Um, things like the wilderness policy that recently came up, they are our arm for this is not just happening in Washington, this is happening nationwide. Who is that unified voice for mountain bikers? That's IMBA. But I don't believe that many of our chapters would have a need for additional IMBA services just because we serve in a very similar fashion as they do. Yeah. So as a as a rider in Washington State, you know that's that's where you're. You would suggest you know get your local chapter, get membership with them, get your your membership with with Evergreen, and and at the same time you know support. IMBA support what is required at a federal level as well. And, and, and so getting an, an IMBA membership as well to, to those riders. Yeah, I, you know, IMBA is a great international organization and uh, we can't work and operate at the level that they do when it comes to overall uh, mountain bike policy. I have been a member of IMBA now and uh, I won't give up that membership uh, because I rely on their help when I work on nationwide issues. I believe the last I heard, uh, IMBA has about 1,200 members in um, Washington state. I'd have to double check that, but that was the last quote I heard in the fall. You know, it's up to the writers themselves. If I am purely looking at this from a selfish uh, uh, lens, then I would say, pay your Evergreen membership. We're working in your communities. And if you want trails to happen, then Evergreen is the organization that will actually make that come to fruition. Whereas IMBA is the greater umbrella if you care about mountain bike policy, wilderness policy, even e-bike policy. What are we doing there? How do we collaborate with IMBA? And how do we present a unified message for mountain bikers nationwide? So what's on the agenda for Evergreen? What's new? What's, uh, what's going to be happening this summer? Oh, well, great question. We are entering, <laughs> we are entering probably our most exciting year of trail uh, openings uh, in the history of Evergreen. So for the past, you know, you could say 20 years, but really the last 10 uh, years, all of the hard work that's happened in lobbying and, and advocacy and envisioning uh, projects is coming to fruition with trail openings this year. So in the current biennium, we are contracted to build 60 miles of new trails. Some of them have already opened, but many of those trail projects are opening beginning in April. And then from then on, every other month, we have a trail opening. 
um, or a couple of trail openings through September. So uh, the grand round, the budget round from uh, 2014 to 2016, 60 miles of trail and they're all opening this year. It's a very exciting time. Uh, we're trying to figure out how we're going to do all of this work and uh, making sure that the, the efforts of the last two years are celebrated with every new trail opening. But riders in Washington State are about to have, a, you know, a, a little chest of gold opened <laughs> with new places to ride beginning, uh, beginning this April. Awesome. Well, Yvonne, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Brent. big theme that was touched on in both my discussions with Avon and my discussion with Thomas Schoen of the Caribou Mountain Bike Consortium is the need to keep the focus local. Both Evergreen and the Caribou Mountain Bike Consortium are successful in what they do. They provide larger representation for local trail associations, but both Yvonne and Thomas made it very clear that if you were to lose sight of the local issues, then you lose your effectiveness. And I couldn't agree more with Yvonne that balance is certainly required. Next episode, you'll hear my interview with David Waynes, the brand new executive director of IMBA. Following that episode, as mentioned earlier, I'd like to hear from IMBA chapters and clubs who may have or are thinking of becoming an IMBA chapter. The program has seen a number of changes since its creation, and I'd like to hear from the chapters themselves to help answer the question of whether the IMBA chapter program is no longer needed by local grassroots trail associations. And if you have insight into how to communicate spring conditions to riders and how we as trail advocates can help to prevent trails from being ridden when they shouldn't be, then please contact me. Like always, you can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FrontlinesMTB. You can find me at Brentski Bike Ski, and you can send me an email or audio file to brent at bikeski.ca. Don't forget to support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes, as well as links to Cold Creek Mountain Bikers, Evergreen, and information on Lobby Day. Music is once again by Lee Rosevear, and production notes by Jennifer Pride. If you like the show and you haven't done so already, rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the show. And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening and happy trails.